0: Hello, and welcome to Diving Into Diabetes, the podcast that explores the latest advances and best practices in individualized diabetes care. I'm your host, diabetes epidemiologist, Dr. Alexandria Ratsky-Lewing. Today, I'll be interviewing world-renowned diabetes doctor and professor Stuart Harris from London, Ontario, Canada. Stuart's conducted several important research studies and clinical trials, but as a hypoglycemia researcher myself, you can guess what I want to ask him about today. That's right, in this episode, we'll be zooming in on all things hypoglycemia from myths to facts and prevention. Thanks for joining us, Stuart.
1: It's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Okay, so let's jump right in. First, can you tell us what is hypoglycemia and why and when do people with diabetes get it?
1: Well, diabetes is not just a problem of high blood sugar, but it's also a problem of low blood sugar. And it's caused in people who take insulin, and or secretagogues, that's people living with diabetes who are on one or both of those agents. Hypoglycemia can have major physical and psychosocial effects on a person's everyday life, including things like disrupting everyday activities, such as driving, reducing sleep quality, even impact on relationships. So it's something that people who live with diabetes at risk for hypoglycemia have to deal with on a daily basis. There are different kinds of hypoglycemia. There's non-severe, and these are the kinds that people generally feel coming on uh, with sweating, trembleness, uh, uh, feeling anxious, etc., cetera, and that they recognize the symptoms and can self-treat with some simple carbohydrates like juice or what have you. These are termed non-severe. But the more concerning kind of hypoglycemia is that of severe hypoglycemia. And the level three definition of severe hypoglycemia is uh, someone who is unable to self-treat their hypoglycemia and needs third-party assistance to help them get out of their uh, hypoglycemia. It can be very distressing, uh, often very scary for both the individual and people around them, uh, and actually has been demonstrated to be potentially fatal. So it's really a major risk For people living with diabetes at risk for hypoglycemia in addition in the long term it's been associated with both cardiovascular and neurological impairment so it's been associated with cardiovascular death but also long-term neurological impairments including things like dementia
0: wow i can't imagine the incredible non-stop result people with diabetes have to have to not only control their high blood sugar but also to prevent the occurrence of low blood sugar are events that common
1: Well, as you point out, Alex, people with diabetes live with the risk of hypoglycemia every single day. So when we think about hypoglycemia, event occurrence is only one aspect of that burden. That being said, every occurrence is more common than people think. Historically, we have relied mainly on randomized controlled data and secondary analyses from routine health records, but we have to remember that these sources greatly underestimate the true burden of hypoglycemia. For one, trials are generally highly controlled and usually actually exclude people who are at high risk for events. And number two, health records are generally restricted to events that are treated by professionals in a medical care setting. And this is a major issue given that health records generally fail to capture up to 95% of true severe hypoglycemia events which are generally more commonly treated at home by family and friends. And moreover, they ignore virtually all non severe events because these rarely get documented in, in charts and in uh, hospital uh, emerge departments. So, real world research that accounts for the experiences of people living with diabetes has only really emerged in the, over the last 10 years. And these studies, particularly those that were conducted prospectively over a relatively long time period, suggest that the burden of severe hypoglycemia is actually quite alarmingly high. In the recent informed study that we conducted, that you know very well, Alex, uh, people with diabetes on insulin and or secretagogues experienced severe hypoglycemia at a rate of five events per person year, with about a third of those experiencing at least one severe hypoglycemia in the previous year. And I know that we, when we've talked to clinicians... They've been shocked at these rates.
0: Those really are impressive data, especially considering that current analyses of healthcare records report event rates as low as 0.0096 events per person year. But as you say, these studies capture only the very small minority of events treated in hospital. I've often heard researchers refer to this as the tip of the iceberg. Okay, so you've provided very compelling evidence that hypoglycemia is a major problem in diabetes, uh, likely far more common than previously thought. But it seems to me that there's still a prevailing conception that hypoglycemia is a bigger issue in type 1 diabetes than it is in type 2 diabetes would you say this is true
1: well it's a really good point firstly hypoglycemia is not a problem for people with type 2 diabetes we're not taking insulin and or secretagogues, but it is a concern for people who are i think there's a common misconception that hypoglycemia does not happen in type 2 diabetes but clinical evidence suggests that it happens more often than pe- people may realize. But in fact, the two studies that we conducted, one here in Canada called the inhypoDM study, and the other one more recently in the United States called the INFORM study, proved that hypoglycemia might be as common in insulin and or secretagogue-treated individuals with type 2 diabetes as it is in type 1 diabetes.
0: Mm, that's super interesting data. But I do wonder what the translation of your research has been in practice. Do you think clinicians are as aware or mindful as they should be about hypoglycemia?
1: Well, the short answer is no, Alex. Often I hear clinicians say hypoglycemia doesn't happen to my patients. Well, let me tell you, it does. There are lots of reasons why a patient might not disclose their events to you. For example, concerns about potentially losing their license who are recall apathy on be, on behalf of the individual living with diabetes or are concerned that their physician may have, have apathy towards hypoglycemia. So my question to you as a clinician, are you inquiring as carefully as you should be about hypoglycemia? For example, one study showed that between 17 to 26% of people with diabetes are not even asked about hypoglycemia during routine encounters. And alarmingly, uh, our studies have shown that patients who do not always report their hypoglycemia also have about twice the number of events.
0: Interesting. Do you think that underreporting by patients and that potential underrecognition of hypoglycemia by their care providers is a barrier to its effective clinical management? And how do you manage hypoglycemia in your practice?
1: Well, I agree. I think it is a barrier. So first off, know the research evidence and act on it. Make sure you probe patients who take insulin and or secretagogues about their risks and experiences related to hypoglycemia and believe them when they talk about it. When in doubt, assume that hypoglycemia is occurring or will occur. This mentality personally helps me overcome the potential limitations of patient disclosure or non-disclosure and even my own fallibility in always or effectively clearing events during routine appointments. Secondly, prepare patients. I educate them on recognizing the signs and symptoms of low blood glucose levels, not on just a single occasion, but routinely during follow-up encounters, and promote the effect of self-management, including appropriate carbohydrate intake, uh, dose adjustments, particularly as it relates to insulin, exercise regulation, the 5 to drive rule around uh, uh, driving and, and reducing risk for hypo during uh, when people are driving, and consider clinical strategies to prevent hypoglycemia. Yes, events are preventable. So, use of newer therapies that are safer confer no risk of hypoglycemia. In my practice, I really try and minimize, whenever possible, the use of secretagogues in type 2 diabetes, especially in combination if uh, with if they're on insulin therapy as well, and also use newer, safer, longer second generation. Uh, basal insulin is because they reduce the risk for hypoglycemia particularly overnight or nocturnal hypoglycemia and the importance of deintensification of diabetes treatments in elderly patients at high risk for hypoglycemia uh, for example many patients with type 2 diabetes are still on sulfonylureas well into their 80s and 90s and these are really a high risk uh, therapy Consider how technology might support people with diabetes, but remember that your job as a clinician doesn't start or stop with just slapping a CGM device on your your patient. You should be providing regular consultation on the optimal use of these tech devices, and this should be done on an ongoing basis.
0: Thanks, Stuart. Really targeted and practical tips. So I'm sure you're aware of the new and upcoming Diabetes Canada Guidelines on Hypoglycemia. Anything in particular you hope to see?
1: Well, I'm hoping that the, uh, the updated version of the guidelines will have alignment with the other internationally recognized guidelines around uh, hypoglycemia and specified level one, level two, level three, as is outlined by the ADA-EASD guidelines and the International Working Group on hypoglycemia.
0: Completely agree. All right, so we're nearing the end of this episode. Any final messages for people with diabetes and their providers when it comes to managing hypoglycemia?
1: The three P's, probe, prep, and prevent.
0: Well, there you have it. Probe, prep, and prevent. Thanks so much, Sewer, for joining us today and for sharing your expert insights on hypoglycemia burden and management. Also, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this latest installment of the Diving Into Diabetes podcast. We hope you found this discussion engaging and informative. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.